0: Well, coming up on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder, you know, the planning world is filled with plenty of advice. There are suggestions everywhere you turn, but there are some critical questions that are actually lurking in the shadows. Some that get maybe unasked, maybe overlooked at times, but these questions can help define the comfort and security of your retirement future. So on this episode, we're going to tackle some of these hidden but essential questions about your retirement. We got a good show for you today, Barbara and Phil. I'm glad to catch up with you again. How are you?
2: Good. How are you? Yeah, we're going doing ben? great.
3: Great today. It's yeah. warm outside, actually. For, yes. For this time of the year, it's uh, going to be 60 degrees, so that's that's pretty welcoming. Yeah, that's
0: pretty crazy. Just a week away from Thanksgiving, but uh, you'll take it mm-hmm. while it still lasts, I'm sure. Um, yep. Yeah. I wanted to kind of start off our conversation today. We got a good one. There's some important questions we're going to run through, but. You know, one topic that's been kind of in the news really much of this year and maybe even dating back to last year, but I know it's going uh, it's not going away at all. But it's AI. AI is just kind of lurking in everything we do right now. So I'm kind of curious, what are your thoughts on it and maybe how it might impact, you know, the financial world?
2: Well, actually, quite interestingly, Ben, uh, just doing a little bit of research on this, about a month ago, there was a 60 minute segment. And uh, the guy being interviewed is a cognitive psychologist and a computer scientist, a British guy by the name of George, uh, excuse me, Jeffrey Hinton. He's known as the godfather of AI. Uh, He won a Nobel Prize in computing. And he says, for the first time ever, we have systems that are more intelligent than us. Uh, Robots will in time have self-awareness. Well, it was interesting as I was watching a robot game, as they were talking about uh, how that was set up. So uh, when, as this is in progress, apparently there are layers of information making up the two robots called a neural network. And these two robots weren't told how to play soccer. They were told to score and had to learn how on their own. Well, they create these layers of software with each layer handling part of the problem, and that's what they call the neural network. Well, when the robot scores, a message is sent all through all the layers that says that pathway is right. Likewise, for wrong answers, that answer goes down the pathway also. So wrong connections get weaker and stronger connections get stronger, and by trial and error, then the machine is actually teaching itself. Uh, Jeffrey Hinton actually believes that the AI systems now are better at learning than the human mind. Uh, At the present time, the biggest uh, chat bot only has 1 trillion connections. Uh, The human brain has about 100 trillion. Yet in the 1 trillion connections in the chat bot, it knows far more than humans' 100 trillion connections. So the concern is these systems writing their own computer code and executing their own computer code and some say, well, it's just about, you know, the uh, chat bot, you know, uh, search, researching and finding the next word. Um, but he says it's much more than that. Chat and GPT understands. So in five years' time, we'll be able to reason better than us. And what was interesting is I was also watching a podcast that was uh, with Elon Musk and uh, Joe Rogan about five years ago. And uh, Elon Musk had said some of the same things. And, you know, the good of this would be, of course, with healthcare, you know, uh, talking with and working out issues with radiologists and designing good drugs and things like that. Um, the risks, of course, are you know uh, eliminating an entire class of people which would be employed because now these are, of course, done by machines. But what was interesting is the concerns with Elon Musk at that podcast five years ago are the same that he mentioned that this uh, Jeffrey Hinton had just mentioned too. And that was things like fake news, bias in policing, and autonomous battlefield robots. So Elon Musk talked about this uh, five years ago, and he was saying it was tempting to use AI as a weapon, and the danger is humans using it against each other. But he had actually spoke to the president at the time, and then I, actually companies and 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 warning them that we've got to slow this down. But both Elon Musk and Jeffrey Hinton believe that we have to have government oversight and and test and regulate this. It's it's you know they have to be able to understand that we can't just ignore it. Um, otherwise, it's going to you know it's going to be outside of human control. And then Phil, you thought you were talking about a recent chess game.
3: Oh yes, students. yeah. This is on a little lighter note <laughs> than the destruction of the world due to AI. But uh, <laughs> International Federation Chess Federation uh, is really concerned. Uh, they are dealing with the problem of cheating as players are using AI to outwit their po- opponent, which is really uh, it's an obstacle. And and so what they're doing is they're employing AI to catch the cheaters. So this is going to be a very interesting development. But they're thinking that uh, the entire world of international chess is going to change dramatically because of AI and uh, people being able to access that information during a during a contest. So there's a lot of cheating going on there. Um, and, you know, they're going to try to find who's doing it. But uh, the, the interesting thing about it is that the people that are really, really brilliant in the chess area could also be tagged as actually using AI when they're not. So there's some conflict going on oh, at the same time.
2: Yeah, that's that's uh that's
0: unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's really a remarkable uh, technology. Obviously, it's got a lot of good, um, a lot of uh, concern and worry as well that comes along with it, like everything else. But hopefully, we'll yeah. be able to kind of manage it uh, in some respect. Who knows? But something to keep an eye on. I know it's going to affect uh, pretty much all of us over the uh, the next right. decade and, Absolutely. and beyond. So, something to yeah, watch. Appreciate your perspective Mm -hmm. on that. All right, let's hop into today's main conversation. If you have anything on your mind, feel free to get in touch with Barbara and Phil. Just go to pathfinderchat.com. It's the easiest way to get a uh, meeting set up with Barbara and Phil, pathfinderchat.com. We talked about in the uh, intro there the hidden questions of retirement. These are questions maybe that aren't as much hidden as they just don't get a – Get, don't get asked, or maybe don't get addressed by people that aren't working with a financial planner. So, I want to run through some of these today with you. And I think one that's, you know, front and center when you're looking ahead to retirement and how much money you're going to have. The question that a lot of people are asking or answering is, how much are my tax deferred savings actually going to cost me in taxes?
2: Well, you know, that's a very good question because, um, you know, many people haven't considered the fact that only a portion of their money that they've saved actually belongs to them. So the answer is it depends on all sources of income. So there are some that, as an example, if you're married filing joint taxpayer, you can have between fifty dollars and $60,000 of income with Social Security and IRA withdrawals and not pay any tax. Now, keep in mind that that's just an example. That doesn't mean that everyone that has between fifty dollars and $60,000 of income won't pay taxes. But if you have higher incomes, well, there's a Social Security calculation called provisional income, and that will determine how much of your Social Security benefit will be taxable, which, again, is based on all sources of income. Your IRA withdrawals are considered for Social Security taxation, and they are also taxed as ordinary income. So you fill up each bracket of income until you get to your income tax bracket. So for example, if you have income of $100,000 as a married filing joint taxpayer, all of your income isn't taxed at 24%. Some is taxed at 12%, some at 22, and some at 24. You can estimate that about a third of your tax deferred accounts will go to Uncle Sam. The question is, can you do anything about lowering your tax burden by taking withdrawals now that aren't needed before taxes likely increase in 2025 when the tax cuts and jobs acts, uh, uh, sunsets? And yes, you can. Uh, Roth conversions are just one of those tools. In other words, you can withdraw money from your tax deferred account that isn't needed, potentially pay taxes at the lowest rate that we have today, and convert those dollars to a tax-free Roth where there are no required minimum distributions. Now, think about it this way. Now, both accounts are compounding. Would you rather have compound interest on a tax-deferred account or on a tax-free account? Compounding on a tax-deferred account increases the taxes you pay once RMDs begin. Now, tax planning is a choice, but you have to plan.
3: Yeah, it's amazing, Barb, that the uh, the process pertaining to retirement planning has changed dramatically over the last 20 years, It used to be that we would uh, help our clients uh, understand that when they hit retirement age, then at that point, their taxes would go down. Right. But, uh, you know, of course, with the introduction of 401ks and them saving on their own, uh, not only would their taxes not go down, they might go up. And so, of course, we're talking about uh, them trying to convert as much of their uh, taxable retirement account, uh, 401ks, that type of thing, IRAs, to tax-free. And uh, we always say tax-free is better.
2: Absolutely.
1: Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. That's pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now back to the show.
0: All right. uh, Our next question here then is how much can you withdraw from savings each year? So kind of once you have a grasp on what you are going to have in terms of money saved for retirement, how are you going to distribute that?
3: Well, Ben, that's a, that's an easy one to answer. Um, There are many tools that we can use to calculate this. Uh, Now, as an example, should we use the 3% income method or 4%? Uh, How about the annuity and life expectancy chart using uh, life only, 10-year certain plus life, 10-year certain plus life, or 30-year certain? Then there's the life and survivor uh, expectancy chart. Well, how about planning around the sequence of returns problem? Then there are also new rules that uh, pertain to minimum distributions: 70.5, 72, and 73. Oh, And while you're at it, why not uh, introduce something called net uh, net unrealized appreciation, which is converting Mm -hmm. 401k plans. And don't forget about the Monte Carlo simulations, right?
2: Oh, hmm. (laughs) yeah.
3: (laughs) You say, wow, my head is ready to explode. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, and, and of course, you don't realize how many answers there are to this particular question. So as retirement income planners, Barb and I can, you know, determine which tools we need. But first, we must do our due diligence, which means gathering as much information from the client in order to evaluate their potential for income. Here are some of the questions that we need to know, uh, have answers for. Think of it as the ingredients going into the recipe. So if you're a couple, you know, what are your current agents, your current ages? Uh, have you previously been married? That's an important one because, you know, you may have children, grandchildren from previous marriages. What will be your various sources of income at retirement? such as pensions, social security, 401ks, IRAs, they all go into the pot. Uh, Do you have a budget in place? What is your current tax bracket and how will that change once you've retired? Do you have any health concerns? Uh, That can be a big uh, issue because of the cost of uh, medical. Will you need to care for aging parents or dependents? And that's a biggie because we have some clients that have disabled children that they're responsible for, or they're even taking care of parents in Mm -hmm. in, uh, living facilities. What about legacy concerns and what you wish to leave behind and to who? Uh, Would you want to plan for guaranteed income throughout your retirement years or have income that is increasing as the retirement years go by? So how much volatility do you need and want? What kind of lifestyle do you want to live in retirement? There's all kinds of other information that you need to really consider. And after all the data is collected, then we can use these tools to determine how much you can safely withdraw from your retirement, from your savings each year. Uh, and what we mean there is we don't want you to run out of money before you run out of time, obviously. So if you're nearing retirement and haven't talked to a retirement income specialist, you know, give us a call at Pathfinder at 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. And we can uh, spend 15, 20 minutes on the phone uh, answering some of these questions. It's complimentary.
2: Yeah, you know, it all starts with their spending plan, doesn't it, Phil? It does. You know, you need an income plan in retirement.
3: Yep, you absolutely have to have
0: one. So again, if you don't have one in place, want to chat with someone, Barbara and Phil, again, PathfinderChat.com. All right, continuing on with some of the hidden questions of retirement. Uh, should I allocate my invest- investments differently during retirement than during my working years?
2: Hmm. Well, you know, that is a good question. There used to be a term called the Rule of 100, which says to take the number 100 and subtract your age and the balance is what should be in stocks. So if you're 70 years old from 100, 30% of your portfolio should be in stocks or stock mutual funds. Well, now, since people are living longer, the rule has changed to the rule of 110. So Hmm. 110 subtract your age of 70, 40% should be in stocks. Now, those are just estimates. During your 30s and your, I'd say between 30s to 50s, you should be investing pretty aggressively because you want the highest return and you can cover those down years. Now, if you're within five years of retirement, you want to scale back those allocations from mostly stock because you don't want to see a significant down year when you're close to retirement. Your spending plan in retirement and the money that you saved will dictate how better to allocate your money, just like Phil just said. Um, hopefully, you saved all your working years to have a comfortable retirement. Now, the question is, how long will it last? Well, the answer is your investment selection, your risk, inflation and taxes, and most importantly, your spending plan will determine the rate of return you need to have in retirement, but also how long will your money last. And uh, right now, allocations for people living with as long as they are these days should be somewhere between 40 and 60%. Now, if you're within five years of retirement, it would be worth it to schedule a complimentary call with us at pathfinderchat.com. Our calendar pops up, schedule a 15-minute phone call. You don't want to guess at this.
3: One thing I want to add to that, Barb, is a lot of people don't consider the importance of dividends within a retirement plan. And uh, that's something that a lot of financial advisors kind of overlook. But they are really the, um, the mother's milk, we'll call it, of, of uh, retirement. You know, if you have uh, great dividends coming in, because those companies are making profits. And quite frankly, companies are making profits today hand over fist. You don't hear about it very much, but uh, you as a shareholder are going to receive the benefit of those dividends. Uh, If you're not using those dividends, they can go and buy additional shares of those uh, mutual funds that you're holding. But what they're going to do is they're going to increase the amount of wealth creation in years to come, because the more shares you accumulate through reinvestment of dividends, the more income you'll get down the road. So that's something else to consider as well.
2: Yeah. When we look at that with our clients, the dividends and interest on their accounts can sometimes be better, higher than the gain. Absolutely. And that's that's reinvested right away.
1: You know the stock market is unpredictable, but did you know that that volatility can wreak havoc on your retirement savings if you're not prepared? Don't leave your future to chance. Let Pathfinder Wealth Management help you navigate these turbulent waters. With over 70 years of combined experience and a fiduciary responsibility since 1996, they have the expertise to guide you through market ups and downs. Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky are dedicated to educating clients and empowering you to make informed decisions. To get in touch, book a 15-minute chat with them today by visiting PathfinderChat.com and take control of your retirement plan. Don't let market volatility derail your future. Visit PathfinderChat.com or visit the link in the description of today's show.
0: All right, let's go with one more question here. And this is a good one, too, because I think a lot of people will consider, hey, do I need to move in in retirement? Where do I want to live? Should I relocate? But maybe the thing that you're not thinking about as much is, does where you live or where you plan to live greatly impact your retirement situation?
3: Wow, this is a big, big question right now. And and the answer to that is, of course, of course, it makes a huge difference, but only in certain categories. So let's take gas prices, for instance, Ben. You know, I have a friend who's living in California, and uh, she's currently paying $6 per gallon for gasoline. Can you believe that? $6. Yeah. Uh, here in Illinois last I looked it was like 360 at the pump another example in California and we hate to pick on California but uh, you know they make it pretty pretty easy for us to pick on right barb in yeah Cal- everybody's <laughs> leaving <laughs> yeah in California <laughs> the statewide uh, median house price is now get this it's $758,000 this year a comparable home in Illinois is 287,000 mm-hmm. and that's according to Bankrate and Forbes retirees are cashing in on their newfound largesse, and fleeing from the state of California. So between 2020 and 2023, California lost almost 800,000 residents, according to their state's Department of Finance. Now, New York City, which has a similar political and financial climate, lost roughly 468,000. That's 5.3% of the city's total population. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, because, you know, in yeah, Illinois home values are much lower than either California or New York. But does it mean that we have an influx of residents here or retirees? And Nah, not hardly. According to the Illinois Policy Institute here, Illinois population dropped by 104,000 people during one year period of time from July of 2021 to 2022. So Illinois residents are skedaddling out of here as well. According to the Institute, the major reasons for net loss are... People moving for better housing and employment opportunity, both of which have been made worse by poor public policy here in Illinois. What a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Poor public policy. Right. Yeah, nearly half a million Illinoisans have thought that moving away and and taxes were, mm-hmm. the reason was the taxes were the number one reason, quite frankly. You know, however, you know, is the grass always greener on the other side in every category? Yeah, not Not so fast. Housing costs in the state of Florida for a home is $392,000, with homeowners insurance rocketed up by many thousands of dollars in the coastal regions that are prone to uh, to hurricanes. In fact, Ben, there's been 12 major property casualty insurance companies that no longer write homeowners policies in Florida. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, they just pulled out of the state altogether. A great incentive for retirees to keep their residence here in Illinois is the fact that Illinois doesn't have a tax on pensions or IRAs. So you have a huge, huge number of retirees that are in the public sector. We're talking firemen, policemen, teachers, and so forth. And so this is a huge incentive, uh, which can save retirees anywhere from $6,000 to $10,000 per year, an incredible amount of savings and tax. But is it really worth it? Maybe not, because Illinois also has a $211 billion unfunded state and local pension liability. Only 50.8% of those pensions are being funded right now. It's the lowest ratio in, nation, in the nation's history. So are there places more attractive, both financially and politically, to retire? Of course there are. But every state must be evaluated carefully on a case-by-case basis. So if you're thinking about leaving the state you're currently living in, uh, give us a call and we can cover some of the pros and cons of moving out of state.
2: Yeah, you know, I've had a number of clients <clears throat> actually leaving Illinois, too. Um, I've, I happen to just look and see what the uh, top 10 states are to retire in. Uh, Tennessee was one of those. Uh, no tax on earned income, which includes wages and salaries, but also there's no tax on pensions and retirement accounts. But like you said, Phil, you do have to uh, you know, make sure you check if you're going to move because I also had a client that moved to Arkansas, and they have a 7% retirement income tax, mm. whereas here we have 0 Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot to think through.
0: I mean, it's it's there's a lot that goes into it, and you got to weigh the, the pros and cons of every decision you make. And you know uh, where you live is a big part of it, not only financially, but emotionally as well. So a uh, mm-hmm. lot, lot to think through. But these are just some of the questions, I think, that don't get answered all the time, or maybe uh, aren't asked enough by people before they get into retirement. So hopefully this helps you a little bit. But again, if you Want to maybe answer these questions for yourself in your own situation? Best place to start is by getting in touch with Barbara and Phil. Again, they are retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth. And the best place to go is pathfinderchat.com. Pick a time that works for you. Get on the schedule and start talking through some of these issues and items. All right, Barbara and Phil, as always, we appreciate your time and insight today. If you haven't subscribed to the Retirement Pathfinder, please do so. We'll have another episode coming in a couple of weeks. Y'all take care. Yep.
3: Take care.